one of the mandates over this house is to be a seedbed for preachers and prophets and teachers. Some of the greatest preachers in our nation today have come through New Harvest Church. And I don't say that just flippantly. Bishop Tony Miller. Many of you did not sit under his preaching, but he couldn't preach a lick until he got to New Harvest Church. No, I'm joking about that. He was a pretty good preacher before New Harvest Church, but I'm telling you, after what he walked through that season, a lot of you don't know the story, but man, I think he came out on the other side, one of the greatest preachers that has ever been a voice in the United States of America and around the world. Come on, put your hands together as we honor them today. And that's Pastors Tony and Kathy Miller. Pastor Chuck Pelham, pretty good preacher, isn't he? Amen. Pastor Manny Rivera, many of you don't know him, preaching and pastoring in Atlanta, Georgia now, a little city outside of Atlanta. Pastor Tony Rivera, Jr., and Diana, pastoring in Miami. Takes a lot of guts to pastor in that field of ministry. And man, they're strong. They're some of the strongest pastors that I know to be able to stand on that ground where the enemy thinks he's won and declare the word of God. Pastors Jody and C.J. Andrews, great preachers, pastoring in Mississippi now. That's where... Two of my daughters are, so I'm thankful for that. Pastor Tina Kelly, I don't believe Tina's here today, great teacher and minister, back in the house to be a part of the body here today. Pastor Jay Pike came through here. Pastor David Strickland came through here. All of them great preachers and teachers today in the ministry today, I believe because New Harvest Church gave them an opportunity to expand on what was down on the inside of them. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for you. Thankful for this house. Not many churches would do that. I can remember when Bishop gathered some young men around him. Everybody looked at him and said, you're crazy to take on that kind of responsibility and that kind of burden. But I'm thankful that he did it. And you're seeing the fruit of it today. You're part of one of the greatest churches in this region because of those men and women, in Jesus' name. And today is no different. Today I have the opportunity to welcome Pastor Porter as he comes to minister the Word of God to you today. And don't judge him by today. Judge him by what he'll become because of this opportunity today. I'm not making an excuse for him. I believe he's going to preach the roof off of this place today. I don't... I'm not saying that, but don't, don't begin to put him in a box because it's not Pastor Chuck or Pastor Tony Miller. Don't put this young man in a box today because I believe he'll break it. I believe he'll destroy it because I believe there's that kind of passion and that kind of energy and, and love for the things of God in his life today. So why don't you stand on your feet this morning? I want you to put your hands together. Welcome Pastor Porter today as he comes to minister the Word of God.
Thank you. Now, can we give an even bigger hand clap of praise to the King of Kings in this place today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, if you'd stay standing. I believe I have a word for this house today, but before we do, I believe we just need to take a minute right now. And there's, there's a song that's been in my spirit for the past few days. It's very simple, but I just believe we need to just welcome the presence of the Lord back in here one more time. So let's just lift our hands and our voices. Let's just begin to give him praise. Let's give him glory. Let's do his name today. I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus, for who you are. I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus, and I love you, Jesus, for who you are. Come on, let's lift that up to him one more time. Say, I thank you, Jesus, I praise you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus, for who you are. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I love you. I love you, Jesus, for who you are. There's another part that goes like this, just simply, for who you are, for who you are, for who you are, I worship you, say for who you are, for who you are, for who One more time, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus, for who you are. And I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus, and I love you, Jesus, for who you are. Come on, just begin to worship him for who he is to you this morning. Jesus, we thank you that your presence is in this place this morning. Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Lord, we enter your gates with thanksgiving. We come into your courts with praise. Lord, and because the veil was torn, we can come into the holy of holies with worship. Lord, we declare that our love for you is great this morning. Lord, we thank you that the presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords is in this place today. We worship you. We honor you for who you are. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
If you would grab your Bibles and let's do as our custom is and let's stand for the reading of God's Word today. If you turn to the book of Genesis, to the beginning of your Bible, Genesis chapter 11. I just want to know who's come expecting the Lord to speak today. How many are ready to receive from him today in his presence? Come on, are you excited? Today's Pentecost Sunday today. Amen. We believe the, Bible, the Holy Spirit's going to pour himself out today. And also, too, I know we've prayed for Pastor earlier today, but Pastor Chuck and Pastor Karen, if you're watching today, I just want to give you honor to whom honor is due today. Thank you for this opportunity to bring the word of the Lord. There's been a word that's been burning inside of me for this house, corporately and individually, for the past few days. I believe we are coming to a defining moment in the spirit as a people. I believe people individually in this room are coming to a defining moment. And there's questions. You've been asking the Lord, is this all there is? Is this what my whole purpose has come to? Is this what life is going to look like? But the Lord actually has a word for you today, if you would receive it, not from me, but by the Spirit of the Lord. And so let's turn to Genesis chapter 11, verse 26. I'm going to be reading today out of the New King James Version. I'm going to bounce around just a little bit here. Verse 26, now Terah lived 70 years and begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Then skip down to verse 31. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife. And they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan, and they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now let's go down to chapter 12, verse 1. That was right after that. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. To a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all. Somebody say all. All the families of the earth shall be. Come on. The blessing of the Lord is not that you would stay in poverty. Not that you would stay in defeat. Not that you would stay in anxiety, but that you would be blessed. How many of you know you're a blessed people today? It might not look like it, but the Lord says you're a blessed people. You're blessed coming in. You're blessed going out. You're blessed in your basket and blessed in your store. You're the head and not the tail. You're above only and not beneath the lender and not the borrower. How many of you claim that blessing that's on your life today? Verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's sons, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Verse 6, and Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as as the terebinth tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were then in the land. I want to bring our attention back to verse number two. Actually, no, verse one. Sorry, 12 verse one. And this is where my assignment is coming from today. 
where he said, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. Touch three people and say, it's an unforeseen place. It's an unforeseen place. The Lord is bringing us as a people to a place we've never seen. The Lord is bringing us to a place that we've never been before. You're not going to be able to go off of yesterday's manna. You're not going to be able to go off of yesterday's word. But there is a fresh word. There's a fresh direction. There's a fresh assignment in the house of the Lord today. That's not comfortable with where we've been. But knows that there's something more. There's a place that's greater. There's a place that's higher. There's a place that's better. There's a place that doesn't look like where I've been. And I don't look like where I've been. But I'm going to look like where I'm going. And that is an unforeseen place. I hear the spirit of the Lord saying that you're going to have to put your maps away and get out your compass today because you're going into uncharted territory. You're going into uncharted waters. You're going where no one else has gone before and you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Come on, if that's you, say, I'm ready. Come on, New Harvest. Is anybody ready to go to a new place? Is anybody ready to go to a new place in your family, a new place in your job, a new place in your business, a new place in your schools, a new place in this city, new place in the kingdom of God? Somebody just begin to give the Lord praise if you're ready for an unseen place, an unforeseen place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the honor that it is to bring forth your word today. Holy Spirit, wear me, put me on like a coat, that I may speak the very oracles of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord but those with clean hands and a pure heart who do not lift their souls unto another? Lord, your word would not return unto you void, but accomplish what you sent for it to do and prosper in the place where you sent it. Lord, your word says that you exalt your word even above your own name. So, Lord, even though you've been given the name that's above all names, your word is exalted even higher than that. So, Lord, we honor your word today with open hearts to receive, open ears to hear, and feet to move in action to what it is that you are saying for us. So we give you the praise and glory that you deserve in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. As you make your way to your seat, touch three people and say, it's an unforeseen place. Thank you, Pastor Corey. So one thing that's interesting, just to give some background information about Abram. We know him later as Abraham, but in this place, he's known as Abram. And we're going to get into what exactly the significance of that is. But one thing that I found that was interesting was the fact that we know that Abraham ended up having Isaac later in old age. And in fact, it was, it was actually kind of funny to them. In fact... The reason why he was named Isaac was because Isaac means laughter. And that was Sarah's response to the word of the Lord coming that Isaac was going to be born and that they would have a son. But what's interesting, though, is Abraham himself was actually born by his father, mother, in old age. So you would think if he did it for my father, he could do it for me too. But sometimes we let the circumstance that we're in cloud and put blinders on to where we can't see what God did back then and we can't even see what he's going to do ahead because we're so distracted by the circumstance of our now. And one of the things that's interesting to for, with Abram, of course, this was taking place before there was ever the law. 
before there were the prophets, before there were Ten Commandments, before there was even an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, before Jesus even went to the cross, before the Old Covenant even took place. This is before any of that. So Abram actually was from the land of Ur, which we're going to go into in a little bit and break that down, which is in Mesopotamia. But him and his family, they were moon worshipers. They were not saved. They were not even Jewish because the Jewish people haven't even been born yet because they came from Abraham. But one thing that's interesting is, so they had none of that as a frame of reference to go off of for his life like we do today. Because how many of you know that we're blessed to have a Savior? We're blessed to have a Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, who made a way, who brought good news of the kingdom for us to be able to expand and see inhabited in the earth. But what happened was Abram, with no frame of reference of God, heard a voice out of nowhere that told him, pack up your stuff and go. And he took him at his word. He had no testimonies to go off of. He had no miracle services. He had no times at the altar where he's been anointed with oil or anything. And he was simply taking God at his word. Oh, that we would just take him at his word today. It doesn't have to be, Lord, do you have to come down and give me three dreams with ten angelic visitations? And when Pastor Tony Foster comes, he has to call my name out so I know that I'm in the will of God. But all I have to do is trust that when your word is released, when your word is spoken, it's your voice. And I won't prolong it. I won't delay it. But I will step and I will obey the voice of the Lord. Come on, somebody say it's an unforeseen place. This is going to be on the screen. So Abram's father went to take this family on a journey from three different places. They were from Ur, and they went to Canaan, but at a halfway point, he decided to settle in Haran. Okay? One thing that's interesting, too, I'm a big word study guy because there are so, so, so much revelation that's found whenever you get back to what the original text did because there's been things lost in translation and everything. But in Hebrew, the Hebrew word for or, this will be on the screen, means light, flame, illuminate, to set on fire. So there was a passion that was ignited. There was a fire that was ignited on the inside of Abram's father that said, we can't stay here. We've got to go to a new place. And so, but what happened was they came and they settled in Haran. Haran in Hebrew means dry or parched. They entered into a dry place and they got weary. They entered into a dry place and there was no water, there was no resource or anything. They became so thirsty, they became so parched, they became so famished to where they could not go and would not go anymore. But what's interesting is they ended up or was supposed to go to Canaan. Canaan in Hebrew means to bend the knee, to be brought low, or humble. And in fact, some translations when the word is used often actually is understood to be humiliated. So in other words, what happened, fire ignited them to move, but they settled in a dry place. How many of you, the fire of God has put a passion in you that says, there's something more. 
There's a place that's more. There's a place that's greater. But because you entered into a dry place, you thought that this is where I have to stay. But the Lord says, no, I'm igniting your fire again, New Harvest. I'm igniting your fire on the inside of you so that you won't pitch your tent in a dry place. How many of you have, can be honest and say you've pitched your tent in a dry place? One of the things that's interesting is because this dry place was wilderness. And the Bible even said to Jesus even said later that it's a foolish man that builds his house on sand. But a wise man builds his house on a rock. And so one of the things is sand cannot hold the foundation of what God is wanting to build. And so we find ourselves in a dry place. We have to understand that this was not meant for me to dwell. Because Jesus said in Matthew 16, upon this rock, I will build my church. The church was never meant to be built in a dry place. It was meant to be founded on a rock. And that rock is a rock of revelation. In fact, one of the things that we understand is the Bible says that that word church, we've heard this preached before, is the ecclesia. The ecclesia, the Bible says that that actually means it is the group of called out ones. And it was not a religious term at all. It was a political term. Caesar had an ecclesia. So when what they were was the body of called out ones sent from Rome to go into the land they were going to conquer and make that territory look just like Rome. And so when Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. It's not just to be a place of warfare to pull on powers and principalities, but it's intended to be a place where people come and receive marching orders to go in the area that God has called you to be and make your job look just like heaven, to make your house look just like heaven, to make your school look just like heaven, to make Cluiston look just like heaven. And so there are some people who are here in the house today who are called out of darkness and into his marvelous light to go and bring forth the kingdom into every sphere of influence. And so what's happened is, yes, there are warfare principles, but the enemy has been so clever because he's distracted the church from its purpose. We've been distracted by driving out when we're called to legislate and enforce. Jesus has already given us the victory. We just have to enforce the victory that's already been won. You don't have to accept defeat from an enemy that's already defeated. If you are in bondage to addiction, if you're in bondage to sickness or disease or poverty, that is not defeat that you should accept because my Bible says, thanks be unto God who causes us to triumph, who gives us the victory. I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. I'm holding up my FBI badge in the spirit, which is the name of Jesus that says, devil, you can't trespass here any longer. You have to go. I serve an eviction notice on you, devil. You can't touch my house. You can't touch my church you can't touch my job you can't touch my business you are defeated and you must go come on somebody shout satan you must go this is gonna be on the screen dry places were never intended to be settled in but passed through dry places were never intended to be settled in but passed through if it was god's original intent for us to dwell in the desert or the wilderness, he would have created the desert of Eden instead of the garden of Eden. The Bible even said that God told Adam and Eve that you are free to eat from every tree. Somebody say every tree. 
everything that God has already provided for you is your right to access. In fact, even when Israel was leaving Egypt, whenever they were um, delivered by the Lord through Moses, the journey that they were supposed to take going through the wilderness was only going to the land of Canaan, which was the promised land, tie back in, was only supposed to take two weeks. But they stayed there 40 years. Because how many of you know you can get out of Egypt, but Egypt needs to get out of you? You are not supposed to stay in a desert. You are not supposed to stay in a wilderness. The Bible says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't pitch your tent. You keep walking through. If you find yourself in a dry place, that is not your address. That is not your dwelling. But your dwelling is in the land of plenty. Your dwelling is in the land of abundance. Your dwelling is in the land of an unforeseen place. Somebody say it's an unforeseen place. Another example is the Lord had to dry up the brook for Elijah so he would make a move because he got too comfortable. You can get comfortable in a dry place. You can get comfortable with ravens bringing you bread and bringing you food and by a brook that is providing the water, and you don't even have to go anywhere. How many of you for this summer are ready for a staycation? <laughs> How many of you are ready to just go watch Netflix or watch Paramount Plus or whatever and just binge, just veg out, just do nothing? You got your water, you got your snacks, you good. I heard that. <laughs> I know, right? I'm taking my first day on vacation next month, and that's what I'm doing. So don't call me on that day. Anyways, <laughs> praise the Lord. But the thing is, it's so comfortable, easy to get comfortable. But God had to cut off that comfortable supply so he would make a move. Because God did not want Elijah to stay put in a dry place. And so if the supply has been cut off, it's time to move. If you found that your source of water has been cut off, it's not time to get comfortable. It's time to make a move. I'm not talking about physically, even though it might be applicable for some people, but I'm talking about in the spirit. There's a place that we've been settling in for far too long that God did not intend us to be. How many of you know that this is a house of miracles? This is a house of signs. This is a house of wonders. This is a house destined for revival in Cluiston and in the Glades region. And if we aren't seeing it right now, but that doesn't mean this is where we're supposed to stay. God's inviting us into greater. He's inviting us into higher. He's inviting us into more. Are you ready for that unseen place, church? This is one thing to remember to live in life by. The Holy Spirit said this. And how many of you know a lot of people think that, the Holy, that God can only speak through rhymes and alliteration? <laughs> well, here's a rhyme for you. It'll be on the screen. If it's dry, pass it by. If it's well, come to dwell. If it's a dry place, pass that sucker on by. If there's a well, if there's a spring that brings forth life, that brings forth promise, that brings forth the answer, that's where you're supposed to dwell. That's where you're supposed to pitch your tent. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of settling in dry places. I know there's more. I know there's higher. I know there's greater. There's more. There's more. There's more. Somebody shout, there's more. So many people are settling because they refuse to make a move. How long will you let a dry place frustrate you so you will make a move? We think we're waiting on God in his sovereignty to just zap us with revival. 
But God's waiting on us. God's waiting on you to make that move. God's waiting on you to get out of that condition. Just like the man at the pool of Bethesda who waited 38 years because he had no man to put him in the water to be healed. Jesus, in all of his compassion and sensitivity, wasn't like, oh, you know what? Let me pick you up, my brother. I love you so much, and I'm going to gently put you in the pool. He said something totally insensitive. You get up your mat, and you get up and walk. You take up your mat, and you get up and walk. Your deliverance into the new place is found in your two feet. The Lord is giving you feet like Heinz feet, church, this morning. The Lord is bringing you fresh direction, fresh perspective, because you don't want to be just like in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3, where the lepers were outside the city gates, and they said, why sit we here until we die? You do not have to accept struggle, church. That is not the heart of your father for you. What kind of a good father does not want to give good gifts to his children? It's the enemy who brings suffering. It's the enemy who brings in the persecution. It's man that persecutes you. That is not the Lord. That is not the Lord. And he's wanting to bring you into higher into everything he's called and created you to be. Who said you had to stay in that place? Move. I see U-Hauls pulling up in the spirit. I see boxes being packed in the spirit that says I can't stay here one more day. I can't stay in this condition one more day. But I'm moving on to my greater. I'm moving on to my prophetic promise. I'm moving on to my destiny because I have a fire ignited in me to go into the land that has been promised. Lord, I don't know what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. I just care that it's the place of promise that it's the unforeseen place so I don't know about you but I'm heading into that unseen place church I'm heading with feet like hinds feet to go into the land that God has for us somebody shout it's an unforeseen place what's interesting is the unforeseen place turned out to actually be Canaan which was the place that Abram's father refused to go how many unrealized dreams have we inherited because we're living in the land where previous generations settled. Their willingness led to settle, let us know that our present condition is acceptable. But the Lord says it's unacceptable. <laughs> Some of you have been asking yourself, is this all there is? The Lord says, no, move. There's a land flowing with milk and honey. New harvest, it's time to not get comfortable in the dry place and to move into destiny. This will be on the screen. What you see is not all there is. What you can't see yet is all there is. Lord, it just seems like I can't get a break on my job. I've been slaving for years and years and years, making even below minimum wage, and I've been believing for promotion, and I keep getting passed by. Lord, is this all there is? No. Father, I have this debilitating illness that the doctor says is incurable. Is this all there is? No. Is, I, my son has been, had left and turned his back on God, and he's in the criminal system right now. Father, is he just going to be in jail for the rest of his life? Is he not going to know you the rest of your life? There's a prophetic promise that says no. The Lord is wanting to bring to you that place, bring you into that place. So Abram was called to make a move. In fact, when he said, the Lord said to get out. Get out in Hebrew means to flow, lead forth, prosper, cause to run, 
Your prosperity is attached to you getting out of that place. You can sit in your condition or you can make a move. How bad do you want it? It's time to move. Somebody just tell the person next to you it's time to move. This will be on the screen. There are three different moves that the Lord told Abraham to make. He said, first, make a move out of your country. Country in Hebrew means land, territory, and wilderness, the dry place. You have to make the move first out of the dry place. What's interesting is it says, then out of your family, which means nativity, where you're natively from, birthplace, or lineage. Because how many of you know in some of your families, there's probably some generational curses that have been tried to be passed down to you that's hindering you from entering into your place. But the Bible says that I've given you authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. And that there's power in the name of Jesus and power in the word of the Lord. That you can break that stronghold off of your life. You can break that resistance and break off that curse and says it stops today. It stops right here. In fact, one of the things that's interesting too is it says in the third thing is come out of your father's house. In other words, the house that your father built. In fact, one of the definitions of house in Hebrew that's used right here in this verse means a dungeon. How many of you know that what was meant to house you can hold you? You are not held hostage. You're not to be held hostage to the structure that your father built. What the previous generations built for you to stand in was not meant to be a holding place. It was meant to be a launching place because the Lord says that I will also increase from generation to generation and we go from glory to glory, faith to faith, level to level. This is not a sprint. This is a relay race. We are standing today on the foundation that our fathers built. This house is standing on the foundation that Bishop Tony Miller and Pastor Kathy Miller built. This house is standing on what Pastor Chuck and Pastor Karen have built further, but the Lord's also going to be bringing other generations because this was not meant to just stop with Pastor Chuck and Pastor Karen but there's a generational mandate on this house to be an embassy in this city and in this region to go to the ends of the earth to make Jesus famous and so the faults that your father built was not meant to be a holding cell but a dwelling place new harvest was never meant to be a holding cell but a dwelling place people will come in and people will go out because you cannot influence a territory by staying in the Bible says that we are the called out ones, not the stayed in ones. It's not meant to just be an us for no more. We just sit here and do our thing and we're a glorified tent revival. No, that's why there are people in this house who are anointed for business, who are anointed for government, who are anointed for education, who are anointed to go in the family mountain, to go into every sphere of influence and make the kingdoms of this world look just like the kingdoms of our God. To take the mountain, you have to go to the mountain. You don't just take the mountain from being in here, but you're equipped. You're called to go and make that place look just like heaven. It's an unforeseen place. This will be on the screen. God told Abram in response to him going that he would do four different things. God's response was that, number one, he would make him a great nation. Somebody say a great nation. Number two, he would bless him. Number three, he would make his name great. Number four, he shall be a blessing. Somebody say blessing. God would bless him to the point where he would be a blessing. But in order to be a blessing, you need to be blessed first. In order to give money, you actually need to have money. In order to give something, you need to have it to give. And so one of the things that I've come to let somebody know who 
might not even know this or realize this or forgotten or lost sight of the promises of the Lord. But blessing doesn't look like lack and not enough. Here's what blessing looks like. These scriptures are going to be on the screen. You don't have to turn. They're going to go back to back. My Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one and he adds no sorrow with it. He makes you rich. He adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord brings joy. The blessing of the Lord brings peace. The blessing of the Lord brings favor. The blessing of the Lord brings more than enough, not just enough, not in the undertow, but the overflow. How many of you are ready for an overflow blessing in this place today? The Bible says in Isaiah 1 verse 19, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the, not the bad, not the leftovers, not the scraps, the good of the land belongs to me. Psalm 112 verses 1 through 3 says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Here we go. Somebody just reach your hand up and declare this. Wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Come on, New Harvest is not a place of lack. New Harvest is a place of riches, wealth, abundance, storehouses being open. Your house, there will be riches in. Your house, there will be more than enough. You don't have to settle in the dry place where there's not enough, but there's a land flowing with milk and honey. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of our God, where there is a constant source of water, where there's a constant source of refreshing. I don't know about you, but I I'm moving into that place of blessing because I'm tired of being where I've always been because I know there is more. Somebody say there is more. Luke 4 verse 18, this is Jesus talking and he's quoting Isaiah 61. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Gospel means good news. It's good news. Come on, the fact that Jesus came to establish his kingdom to earth and we get to be a part of it, not just as citizens, but ruling and reigning with him and being heirs to the throne of the king of kings and lord of lords is good news. Kings don't live in defeat. Kings don't live in lack or poverty. Royalty doesn't live in circumstances, but they know that there is a standard that they have a right to because they're a king's kid. I come to let somebody to know today that you're a king's kid. You are royalty. You have destiny. You have a calling. You have a purpose. In fact, what is, the Bible says he preached the good news to the poor. What's good news to the poor? The poor don't have to be poor no more. The poor, the Bible says, let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. We have business to do for the kingdom of God, and he's not going to do it through a church that's in lack. How many of you know we have a cause to advance? We have a building to build. We have buildings to build. We have resources to provide for a city. We have a food pantry that we are going to expand so that way there's no lack in this city. There's no lack in this region so that way the kingdom's of this world become the kingdoms of our God. Somebody shout, it's an unforeseen place. Just gonna take a drink right here. Come on, are you getting something out of this today? Here's one last thing about blessing. It's such an important key in the kingdom. Pastor Mark was talking about keys of the kingdom. In Ephesians 1 verse 3, this will be on your screen. Blessed be the Father, a God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has 
blessed, not will bless, not is going to, but has blessed us with not some, not a little bit, every spiritual blessing where? In heavenly places in Christ. I'm already blessed past tense. It's already mine. The blessing of the Lord is mine. This will be on the screen. You have no idea how rich you already are. You have no idea how blessed you already are because it's not, I'm not trying to get it. I already got it. I'm accessing it from heavenly places. The covenant that we're under says we're not trying to get blessed. We're already blessed. It's just in my bank account in heavenly places. Unless you punch in the pin number, it's just going to sit there. But when you access the keys of the kingdom, so that whatsoever things are bound on earth have already been bound in heaven. Whatever things are loosed on earth are already loosed in heaven. You can pull from your bank account in heaven and bring it into the earth where there is no lack, where there is nothing missing, nothing broken. In fact, this is why in Malachi chapter 3, talking about tithing, verse 10, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of and pour you out such, where's the blessing come from? Not from your bank account, not from your resources, not from your house, but heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2 verse 6 says that raised up together has made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm sitting where my stuff is. I'm sitting where my breakthrough is. I'm sitting where my new job is. I'm sitting where my next season is. I'm sitting where promotion is. I'm sitting where abundance is. I'm sitting where everything that I need, I'm sitting also where my seed is because he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. I am blessed. I'm not trying to be blessed. It's time that the people of God look blessed. It's time that the people of God talk blessed. It's time that the people of God live up to the standard that he has called you to be. Touch three people and say, I am blessed. Now, it's not our calling just to stay there to enjoy it for ourselves. We are blessed, just as the Lord told Abraham, that I may be a blessing. Because in order to give, you must have it first. But the Bible says before that, he's going to make your name great. We make his name great, but the Lord says he wants to make your name great. Viva, the Lord wants to make your name great. Cecil and Christine, the Lord wants to make your name great. Jeffrey and KD, the Lord wants to make your name great. Miss Susie, Miss Pat, Miss Pam, Pastor Mark, Miss Kim. Micah, everyone under the sound of my voice, the Lord wants to make your name great for what he's called and he's purposed you to do. The Lord wants to make New Harvest Church's name great in this city and in this region. And I just heard this in the spirit last night, and I had to write this down. New Harvest, the Lord is calling you out of obscurity and into notoriety. You've been viewed as the least of these, but the Lord says you're coming out of hiding. You are a house set apart unto the nations of the earth. Don't settle for just the city. When I I've called you to the nations. Your name is being carried out on the east wind, the west wind, the north wind, and the south wind to kings and priests. You've lifted me up, so I'm going to lift you up. My purposes through you cannot be accomplished on your own. Donors are coming. Resources are coming. People are coming. Finances are coming. Avenues are coming. Promotion is coming. Are you ready for what's coming? The Lord says it's an unforeseen place. If you receive that church, give the Lord praise today.
When we talk about it's an unforeseen place, unforeseen means not anticipated or expected. What hasn't been preconceived? In other words, we didn't see it coming. You can see a new thing, but you can't see an unforeseen thing. The Lord's inviting us into this season, not just into something new, but something unforeseen. This will be on the screen. You can never plan for a suddenly, but you can prepare for when it arrives. And today's Pentecost Sunday. This will be on the screen. You can turn there if you'd like. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Said this, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to do what? Wait. Wait. He's calling us to go. But he's calling us to wait first. Why? But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Next verse. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when the, they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you set at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So they're trying to predict the suddenly. But the Lord's telling them to prepare and wait because he doesn't want them to go until right here. But you shall receive power. You're not supposed to just be content with weakness, but the Lord has promised power to his church. That the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. You shall be witnesses to me in Cluiston. You shall be witnesses unto me in South Bay, in Belglade, in LaBelle. You shall be in Judea and Samaria, even South Florida, even Florida. Witnesses unto this nation. Witnesses unto the nations of the earth. And in fact, what happened is in Acts chapter 2, and that was fulfilled in the next in the next chapter, 10 days later, so when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one accord and one place and, and, come on, I'm going to say it until you get it, and, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some suddenlies. I don't have time to wait forever. I have to accomplish what God has purposed me to do. New Harvest, you have to accomplish what God has purposed you to do. People under the sound of my voice, were you wondering, is it time to step in my calling? Is it time I've been faithful for all these years? The Lord is giving you clearance to move. The Lord is giving you clearance to go forth. The Lord is giving you clearance to move into your destiny. There's a suddenly coming in my marriage. There's a suddenly in my job, in my health, my finances, a suddenly to move into my destiny. It's time for the Holy Ghost to breathe a suddenly in this place. Somebody shout, it's an unforeseen place. Where God's taking us, it's where we didn't see it coming. There's no frame of reference. There's no, there's no time anymore for... Well, this is the way it's always been done. Unforeseen people, unforeseen strategies, unforeseen ways, unforeseen methods, the Lord is sending to this house. It's not going to look like it's always looked. Does he have your permission to take you where you've never been? Does he have permission to change your plans? Does he have permission to break your box that he put you in? 
I've come to tell some people today, too, that there's also been polygamy in the body of Christ. We've been the bride to Jesus and. We've been the bride to Jesus and. We've been married to Jesus, but we're also married to our systems. We've been married to Jesus, but we've been married to our methods. We've been married to Jesus and proclaimed our allegiance to him, but we've been married to our preconceived notions. Because how many of you know this next wave, this third great awakening is not going to come how we've thought. It's not going to look like the first or the second. It's not going to look like Brownsville. It's not going to look like Azusa. It's not going to look like Toronto. It's not going to look like Lakeland. It's not going to look like what's happening in North Georgia, but it is going to happen here in this city and in the cities of this nation and it's going to be a new thing an unforeseen thing God is jealous for his bride he will not share her with any other lovers the Lord is doing a new thing this will be on the screen this is a quote from Bishop Tony Miller a new thing is not an old thing redressed it's not an old thing with lipstick and makeup just put on it to make it look like it's new no 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 in fact one of the things the Bible says he cannot pour new wine into old wineskins now, this is something I've never heard preached before except by the pastor of the church I was raised in. He was an archaeologist in Israel, and he would share this. He actually even lived with the nomads in the wilderness. And he said that the Bible actually, when it says new wineskins, in Greek it actually means renewed wineskins. Whenever they needed a new wineskin, they wouldn't just throw the old one out, actually, and just cut a new wine skin from a goat or wherever they got it from. But what they would do is they would rub olive oil into the wine skin. Because the reason why it's old is because it's dry, it's cracked, and it's not flexible to contain the new. But when we apply the anointing to our structure, when we apply the oil to our methods, when we apply the oil to what is promised us, that's what causes us to be flexible. We're crying out for revival, but do we still want it if it doesn't look like we thought? The Lord is calling us into a place of flexibility so we can contain the new wine. So one of the things, and I'll be laying in this plane here in just a minute. What's interesting, if you put this on the screen, this is what Abram's name meant in Hebrew. Because the Lord had to change his name once he got into that place. Abram in Hebrew means high father or lofty father. But one of the things, the Lord was bringing him into a place to where it actually means to be brought low. What brings you low? Worship. Worship in Greek actually is a Greek word, proskuneo, and it means two things. First of all, it means to acknowledge, um, like a, acknowledge lordship like a dog licking its master's hand. doesn't mean you literally lick his hand in worship, okay? It's a metaphor, okay? Somebody, the Bible's full of metaphors, okay? But it also means to prostrate oneself in honor. You know, you can bow on your knees But when you lay yourself out, flat out, and you say that, Lord, you are worthy to be exalted, and I take the lowest posture. This will be on the screen. The highest form of worship is the lowest position. And so what happened was, because one of the things, too, in kingdoms is whenever you approach the throne of a king, you don't stand. You actually lay prostrate when the king approaches his throne. And so Abraham, his name here that he's being changed to, means father of multitudes, father of many nations. This will be on the screen. Masses of majestic people risen in triumph. So if something rises, 
that means it was at a low place and now it's being lifted up. The Lord doesn't want you to just stay down in your new place, in your unforeseen place, but the Lord's bringing you to that place so you can be exalted. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. He gives grace to the humble and resists the proud. And so everything in the kingdom is upside down. But to be brought high, you must be brought low. Here's how Abraham was brought low. This will be one last scripture you turn to in Genesis chapter 22. And the worship team would come, come back up. Please, I'm gonna, we're going to land this here. Genesis 22. This is how Abraham was brought low. In verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Now, one thing that's interesting is he said, Only son. But how many of you know that Abraham actually had another son that he tried to help God out and have, whose name was Ishmael? And now grant the Lord, when he brought Ishmael out from that, when Ishmael was born and him and Hagar left, the Lord actually did make a promise to him and actually did minister to him because it wasn't his fault. But, and that's a whole other teaching. But in God's eyes, the son of promise was Isaac. And so he said, take this, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Moriah in Hebrew actually means scene of God. In fact, it's actually the same place that later Solomon actually built the temple. You can find that in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. So what was going to happen at this place was going to be forever marked by worship. And so he said, offer the burnt, mountains, or burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and rose to the place of which God had told him. Here we go. He's leading him again into an unforeseen place. Then verse 4, then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey the lad and I will go yonder and worship. So this is actually where worship is first mentioned in the Bible. What was he getting ready to do? He was getting ready to offer Isaac, whom he believed for, whom he had prayed for, whom he almost doubted God over and tried to help him out, and he finally came years later. And God wanted him to put his promise on the altar. And that was considered worship. But here's Abraham's faith. He said, and we, him and Isaac, will come back. Okay, and then let's skip down to, just for the sake of time. Okay, let's stick down to verse 10. So Isaac's on the altar at this point. He says, Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad, nor do anything to him, for I now know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. 
as it is to say, to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So right here, what Abraham did was an act of worship. Was an act of worship. We need a renewed mind about worship. One of the first things the church needs a renewed mind about worship is worship was never meant for you in the first place. It's ministry 100% unto him. What we feel is actually his response to our worship. But if we don't give him what he responds to, we won't see his response. That's why worship is not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. It's not about, oh, I hope they play my favorite song today. I hope, oh, I've been having a bad day. I just just want to get my spiritual high. I just want to get that zap in the arm. I want to get my spiritual cocaine shot that we treat services like. We treat it like a drug sometimes because we just need an escape. But the Lord says it's all for him. In fact, it's associated with a sacrifice. How many of you know sacrifice is never a preference? Sacrifice is never what we want to do, but it's unto the one whom it's being sacrificed for. So why do we think if it's our preference to sacrifice, if it's not our preference, why do we think we get to worship according to our preference? We worship according to what he wants because he is worthy. Sacrifice is never comfortable. In fact, we've sacrificed so many offerings on the altar of our preference. We were never meant to receive from worship but the response of his presence. Here's what worship is. This will be on the screen. Worship, this is an equation. Worship equals worth plus ship. It's worth ship. It answers how worthy is he to you. The level of your worship indicates the level of his worth. You give a big, you give a big God a great praise if he's that big to you. I don't praise him because I'm trying and worship him the way that I do. And you can see I'm sweaty and everything. It's not anointed if you're not sweating up here. <laughs> but I don't give God a big praise because of the fact I'm trying to arouse a response or reaction from you. This isn't entertainment. I'm not trying to, I'm not even trying to minister to you. I'm getting us together to where we minister one offering unto him that he's worthy of. I worship him big because just like David said to the Lord, I won't bring to him that which costs me nothing. There's a sacrifice attached to my worship. There's a cost attached to my worship. Just like the song says, you don't know the cost of my oil in that alabaster box. You don't know where I was when I tried to break that open on his feet because I can take the experience expensive thing that declares that he's worthy, that declares that he's worthy to receive all the blessing, all the glory, and all the honor, and all the praise. And this will also be on the screen. What's worth the most shows what you love or whom you love the most. And so worship and obedience to his word released the blessing. And there was a greater blessing that was released here this is actually right after where it said that I will multiply your descendants even as like the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. I'm not just going to give your descendants, but I'm going to multiply them. In the unforeseen place is a place of multiplication. What we try to do on our own, God's going to exponentially multiply in the unforeseen place. What we thought we could have labored in years, the Lord's going to multiply in a suddenly. He's going to multiply in an instant because we've decided to go to that unforeseen place. Everybody stand to your feet.
I'm going to close with this. Abraham's act that he did right here was remembered years and years and even today and still talked about. This will be on the screen. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. When we receive Jesus, we are grafted into that promise and that blessing that's on Abraham. Melissa, I just hear in the spirit that the Lord is multiplying your seed. The Lord is multiplying what is in your lineage. The Lord says that what you thought was just for you, the Lord says there are people that I'm going to be birthing from you. I'm going to be birthing a nation out of you. I'm going to be birthing and multiplying people from your womb, from your spirit. Lord, that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. I'm sending resources. I'm sending vision. I'm sending multipliers to make it happen. As long as you seek me first and seek my strategy first and my timing and my order, I'm going to bring the suddenly that you've longed for to your life. I'm bringing the restoration. I'm bringing the healing. I'm bringing the breakthrough. I'm bringing you into the unforeseen place, says the Lord. Um, skip to verse 19. Yes, there we go. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. He did not consider his own body. Whatever the circumstances, you can't consider it. The consider not means don't even take one thought. Whatever the devil tries to throw on you, take no thought of it. Because you know that you belong in the unforeseen place. You know you belong in the land of more. And he said in verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. There's a difference between doubt and unbelief. Unbelief is not doubt, but unbelief is something that, it's not, let me say this, it's not the absence of faith, it's something that can coexist with faith. There's nothing wrong with having simple doubt because this is something big to grasp. But if you hold on to traditions and religion that tries to hinder you from going into the unforeseen place, you won't enter into it because it's the result of unbelief. And then right here in verse, actually go to verse 22. Therefore, here's where we're going. It was accounted, it was credited to him for righteousness. And go into Hebrews 11 verse 8. That should be the next slide right up. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. This is thousands of years later. It's being written about. There's going to be generations who are going to know about your move into the unforeseen place. There's going to be history books written about this house going into the unforeseen place. There's going to be accounts. There's going to be posts. There's going to be journals. There's going to be records. There's going to be articles. There's going to be blog posts. There's going to be video footage that actually will account for you stepping into the unforeseen place. In fact, one of the things is New Harvest. The Lord says that nations are dependent upon you entering into the unforeseen place. Not just a city, not just a region, but this house is called to, the house, to be a house to the nations of the earth. In fact, Abraham stepping into the unforeseen place made a way for us to step into not even the old covenant, but into a new and better covenant.
covenant that we have a right to receive. This new covenant is better. This way is better. In fact, one of the things, I want you to see this and then we're going to pray. Real quick, because there's a response the Lord wants to do. Um, go to, in Hebrews 11, go down to verse 35. Go down to verse 35. This is something I want you to see. This is in the, what the Bible talks about as the hall of faith. This is a part that doesn't get preached about, but there's a part after this that doesn't get preached about either. A lot. It says in verse 35, women received their dead to raise the life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they may obtain a better resurrection. Verse 36, still others had a trial of mockings and scourgings and yet of chains and imprisonment. Verse 37, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts. Okay, so all this bad stuff happened to some people that were under this covenant. But And verse 39, all of these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. And people want to put a period. Go back, go back one more verse. A lot of people, when they preach this, want to put a period where there's a comma. There's more. Verse 40. God having provided something, what does it say? What? Better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. It's 12 verse 1, the next verse. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that he set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. They suffered so we don't have to. They didn't see the promise because the promise was for a future generation. The promise was for a people that will declare that I'm not settling in a dry place. I'm not settling with where I've been, but I'm going, I'm going, I'm going into an unforeseen place. If you're ready to go, lift your hands and just begin to worship the Lord. Lord, we're ready. We're ready. The unforeseen place is where we are brought low. The unforeseen place is where we lay our agendas, our plans. The Bible says many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the purpose of the Lord that prevails. We've made plans in our heart. We've put God in boxes, but he's wanting to break those boxes today as we submit our plans to him. And I want to give an invitation today just for a few minutes as we're getting ready to close for us who are ready to go into the unforeseen place to have an opportunity to be brought low in worship. So we're going to open up this altar for just a few minutes. Feel free if you need to just stand in his presence, if you need to bow or kneel or lay prostrate, if you're ready to go into a place that you've never seen, if you're ready to go into a place to where you are realizing you're not satisfied with where you are, but you know there's more. There's more for your business. There's more for your family. There's more for your situation. There's more for your calling. You don't have to be settled in what was, what you've labored in, but the Lord is causing you to come into a good place, into a high place. So the worship team is going to lead us in into worship right here. And we're just going to worship for just a little bit.